All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. So good to see you all. Happy New Year. Hope you had a great Christmas and a great New Year's, and it's so good to worship with you this morning. Such great music and great people here. I want you to think of a time, maybe when you were at a sporting event, that went right up to the last second. You know, maybe there was a buzzer beater at a basketball game, maybe a goal right at the last second, maybe it was a football game where the touchdown happened right at the end. You might be thinking back to the Minneapolis miracle last year. I was tempted to put it up on the screen, but this season was so painful, I'm not sure I can watch anyone in purple for a while. But if you think of that experience when you're at that game and you're wondering, you know, is your team going to pull it out? What's going to happen? And it's so close and it's going back and forth. And then, you know, right at the last minute, they pull through for the victory and everybody goes crazy and everybody's high-fiving each other and hugging even people they've never met before. And it's just a joyous celebration. But now I want you to imagine that exact same experience but just a little bit different, and I brought a picture for you to take a look at. Imagine that same experience, and you're the only person in the stands. I think the whole experience changes. It's suddenly not as fun, it's not as celebratory, and it's completely different. You see, I think experiences are so much better when we share them with other people. You know, when we have other people that we're connected to, when we have relationships with others, it really just makes life that much richer and deeper and satisfying. There's a pollster maybe you've heard of before named George Gallup, and he's done all sorts of polls and studies across the world. And he had an interesting quote a few years ago. He said, Americans are among the loneliest people on earth. Now, we live, live very busy, overcommitted, overscheduled lives. Many of us have long commutes. We live in crowded cities. We're in traffic with tons of people. But even amidst all those things, it's still so easy for us to feel alone and to feel disconnected. I mean, most of the time, we are surrounded by people regardless of where we go. If you go to the gym, if you go to the grocery store, if you come to church, We see people everywhere. In fact, I read that 85% of people in America are within a short flight from us. You see, the problem is not accessibility. There's people everywhere. But I think the problem is, all too often, we know very few people well. And very few people know us well. And so when we look around at our country and even with social media everywhere and all these online connections, people still feel disconnected. People still feel alone. People still crave community. And many people today are essentially doing life alone. Well, if you think back to the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2, we have this incredible story of God creating everything, creating the heavens and the earth, creating everything that we can see, and he speaks it into existence, and it shows God's creativity and God's power and God's plans and God's order for the universe. And there's this refrain again and again throughout those chapters of Genesis where it says, And God saw that it was good. 
he creates and he says it's good. And he creates another thing and he says it's good. But then on the sixth day, he creates the first human being. And suddenly the refrain changes just a little bit. He doesn't say it's good. He says it's very good. It's the first time that he says it's very good. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and I go into the bathroom and I'm going to get ready and I look in the mirror, I typically think this is not good at all. Can you identify with that? When God looks at you, he says, you're not just good. He says, you are very good. He created you on purpose for a purpose. You are unique and you are gifted. You are very good. You see, after God creates human beings, now he gives creation a five-star rating. Suddenly things are the way he wants them to be. But then if you read on just a little bit further, something kind of curious happens. Because it goes from saying it's very good to saying now there's something that's not quite right. There's something that's not quite the way it should be. God says it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for people like us to be disconnected, to be separated, to be alone. You see, we are created for relationship. We're created for community. Now that verse from Genesis 2.18 oftentimes shows up at weddings. You know, maybe you've been at a wedding ceremony before and that's one of the scripture readings. But you see, I think God is talking in much broader terms, more than just marriage, more than just a wedding. He's making a statement about how he's created us, that we need other people. We need to be connected with each other. We need relationships in our life. And I think what it shows us is that one of God's deepest and most important dreams for us is authentic community. One of God's dreams, one of his biggest dreams for us is that we would experience authentic community with other people. You see, we often say God that we have a God-shaped void in our life, that we need a connection with God. And that's so important. But what this verse also shows us is that we have a human-shaped void in our life that can only be filled with relationships with other people, that we're not supposed to do life alone, that we're not supposed to live disconnected. We need to have authentic community in our life. Now, I think it's so interesting and so important to note that when God says it's not good for man to be alone, it's before the fall ever happened. It's before sin enters the scene. It's before our relationship with God is ever fractured or broken. Even before sin comes and destroys so many things, God is still observing that something's missing. That he's created us with a need for others, a need for community. And there's nothing else in this life that's going to satisfy it. It's not more money, more power, more status, more notoriety. The only thing that can satisfy that void in our life is authentic community 
with other people. Now, I think oftentimes, or most of the time, we take people's dying wishes very seriously. Right? If somebody has some last words on their deathbed, they're typically shared within the family and maybe even wider. If it's somebody that's famous or a celebrity, those last words are often passed down generation after generation. I had a great uncle who was dying, and he had some last words and some last wishes on his deathbed. And one of them was he was very specific about what he wanted at his funeral. And he said at his funeral, he wanted to have a bagpiper there playing Amazing Grace, and he wanted this man to be wearing a kilt, like the full Scottish everything. Now, the weird thing was he was 100% Norwegian. Right? So we're like, this is no part of our family. There's no tradition around this. But when he passed away and his funeral was held, of course, there was a bagpiper there, right? Because you take someone's dying wishes seriously. Well, Jesus had some dying wishes. He had some last words. And we need to take those words very seriously. Jesus prayed a prayer for you and for me. And part of this prayer in John 17 is, I will remain in the world no longer But they are still in the world. That's all of us, all of his followers. And he says, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me. And here's the key. He says, so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. You see, Jesus is praying that his disciples... These same guys that are about to turn their back on him, that don't quite get what he was doing, he's praying this prayer for them. And he's also praying this prayer for us today, 2,000 years later, that we would be one in community, that we would be united together in his name. And what we would experience would be the same relationship that he experiences within the Trinity You see, when we are connected in authentic community together, then we are living the way that he meant life to be. But not only that, we are also experiencing what it really means to be created in God's image. Now at Calvary, we believe that life change and spiritual growth best happens in circles, not rows. We believe life change and spiritual growth best happens in circles, not rows. Now, let me explain what this means. Right now, you are seated in a row, and we are overjoyed that you are seated seated in a row. Rows are the best way that we can get together as a large family of God and come and worship together and sing God's praises and hear the word preached and hear vision cast And be mobilized to go out into the community and share the good news and to share Christ's love with people. And so rows are important. But just like the early church, we also believe that circles are the best way to grow spiritually. Circles are the way that we will see life change in our lives. You see, you can come for one hour a week on Thursday night or Sunday morning and not really ever change much. Not really ever have to process what you hear. You can kind of feel good about yourself. You get a gold star, perfect attendance. 
But you see, it's when we get into circles, in community with other people, when we ask questions and we dig into the word and we support and encourage each other, it's then that life change takes place. It's then that we grow spiritually. When we come together with others and we say, you know, I have no idea what that guy was saying up front on Sunday. Can you help me understand this? Or I totally disagree with what he said. I think it means this. When we develop a group, a circle of people who get to know who we are, maybe what we're struggling with, what kind of help we could use. And when we experience that deep love and concern of Christian community, it's then that life change and spiritual growth best takes place. You see, circles are small groups that do life together. It's a place to grow in community. And it's a place that we can experience that sense of belonging that we all need. Now, Jesus himself modeled this for us. Think about early on in his ministry. He had hundreds of people following him around. It's not always referenced because it's just a constant in his life. He had people trailing behind him almost all the time. They just wanted to be near him. But what Jesus did is he purposely picked 12 disciples, a small group, that he would travel with, that he would pour into, and that would support him throughout his ministry. And you can imagine them sitting around the fire in a circle doing life together. Now, along the way, Jesus also had three of the 12 that he was especially connected to, that he especially had a heart for. And so he had even a smaller group that he was pouring into and doing life with. Jesus modeled the importance of circles in his life. And so our dream is that every person at Calvary would get out of a row and would get connected into a circle as we seek to live out our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture is Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the, the first early church coming together. And there's so much good stuff that we can still model and apply today. Now, the story of Acts is really the development of that early church, and it starts with Pentecost. Remember, the Holy Spirit coming in power, and everything changes. And Peter gets up, and he preaches a sermon, and 3,000 people are saved on the spot. And suddenly, this Christian community forms, and they have to figure out, what does it mean to be the church? And they start to meet together and encourage each other. And put together some forms. And they begin to grow in faith. And we heard this in our reading today at the end of Acts chapter 2. Starting with verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. You see, we see right away in the early church that small groups are a powerful way to grow spiritually. What we like to say around here is that spiritual growth best happens in a small group. Now, I think sometimes we just think of a small group as kind of another Bible study. 
And maybe if we're honest, we have an experience at some point in our life when we had to sit through a really boring Bible study, or maybe you were forced to go to confirmation and memorize all sorts of stuff, and so you just kind of have this not great taste in your mouth for what you think small groups might be. But you see, small groups are so much richer and so much deeper than maybe what you're thinking. It's so much more than just head knowledge. It's really about a heart change. It's about growing in relationship with other people. It's about growing spiritually like we can't do on our own. But how does this change, how does this growth actually take place? Well, it always starts with the grace of God in our lives, God taking the initiative. It always starts there. And it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit filling us up and guiding us and directing us. And it's always with the foundation of God's word. It's the most important thing, that we're always founded on God's word. But I think there's also another key component, and that is the presence of other people. We get better through our interactions with others. We grow when we develop relationships with other people. In fact, the way I would put it is, we can't grow spiritually without connecting relationally. I'll say that one more time. We can't grow spiritually without connecting relationally. We need other people. Other people who can help see things that we can't see in our lives. Other people who can encourage us, who can coach us, who can support us, who can challenge us, who can hold us accountable, who can love us, and can help bring out the best in us. In my first four months here at Calvary, I did a series of meet and greets, and I know many of you were there. It was a wonderful time, you know, 20, 30 people at a time. I think I got to see over 200 people over the course of a number of weeks. And what we would do is just kind of share our perspective on things, on the mission of Calvary, what Calvary means to us. And I heard incredible stories of faith from people. But there was a common refrain, a common theme from people who had been longtime members here at Calvary. Person after person shared about how important discipleship groups were in their faith formation. Some groups that took place even decades ago, how formative it was in their faith, how they had never thought of faith in the same way, how they had never thought of a relationship with Jesus in the way they do now, and how important it was to come alongside other people. I think it was for 18 months at a time. And you know what? That's what we desire for new generations today here at Calvary. That same experience that was so formative in the past that we would have these deep relationships, meeting in circles, growing in faith, and then living it out into the community. Small groups are a powerful way to grow spiritually. Small groups are also a powerful way to grow relationally. If we read on in Acts 2, it says, All the believers were together and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. 
You see, it's in groups that we get to know new people that maybe we've never met before. It's in groups where we are able to meet people's needs when emergencies or tragedies or difficulties come up in their life. All of us need accountability. You know, people who can really ask us, how are you doing? And get past just the pleasantries. We need encouragement, people who will check in on how our faith life is going. And we all need opportunities to step out in faith. And it's so much easier to step out in faith when we have others alongside of us. Community is so very important. You know, I've heard it said before, it's easy to fall out of church, but it's very difficult to fall out of community. It's easy to fall out of a church. It's way harder to fall out of community. There was an evangelist who lived a number of years ago named Dwight Moody. He lived in Chicago. He was out visiting some of his congregation members one weekend day. And he was meeting with a very prominent Chicago citizen. And this man was having a discussion with him about the importance, or not importance, of attending church and being a part of an active church family. And this man said to Moody, said, I think I can be just as good of a Christian by myself as I can coming to your church. Well, Moody got up from his chair slowly, and he walked over to the fireplace. And it was a brutally cold winter day in Chicago, so there was a big roaring fire. And he grabbed a little shovel, and he went and he took one ember that was burning out of the fire, and he put it onto the, the hearth in front of them. And then he went and sat down in his chair. And they both sat in silence. And they both watched that little ember as it burned itself out. After a little more silence, the man turned to Moody and he said, I see. I'll see you in church on Sunday. You see, we need each other. We need community. We need to grow relationally in order to grow spiritually. Finally, small groups are a powerful way to expand the kingdom. In verse 47 of Acts 2, it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. He added to their numbers daily, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Thursday night, but daily. Wouldn't you love to be a part of a church like that? A church that was fulfilling Christ's mission every single day of the week. Actually accomplishing the mission that he gave us. Groups are a great place to invite new people as we seek to invest and invite in our community. Groups can help start other groups and multiply. And groups are a great place to reach out and to serve others in Jesus' name. There are people all around us, maybe next door, maybe even under the same roof as us, that are in desperate need of authentic community, who are looking for relationships with others. A number of years ago, I had the pleasure of meeting a man named Steve Gladen. He's the pastor of small groups out at Saddleback Church in California where they have over 25,000 people in small groups weekly. And as we were talking with Steve, he shared a story about a son named Ethan. 
Ethan was born with a bunch of special needs, and he's autistic. And when he was a small child, Steve would take him to the park in their neighborhood. And his prayer every time they would go to the park is, God, please give Ethan someone to play with today. Please let Ethan connect with just one other kid, any kid. Please don't let Ethan be alone. And he would sit on a bench, and he'd watch Ethan try to figure his way around the playground, and he would watch Ethan connect with other kids, and it would break his heart. Because again and again, he would see Ethan get rejected, and oftentimes even just ignored or avoided. Well, a few years later, Ethan was older and he went off to school. And again, Gladen's prayer was exactly the same. God, please give Ethan someone to connect with. Please give him one friend that he can meet today. And day after day, Ethan would get off the bus and he'd come home and Gladen would ask him, did you meet a friend today? Did you connect with anybody? And Ethan would say no. But I spent my time talking to my friend Jesus. So at least I'm not alone. And Gladen's heart would break day after day. So then he challenged us. He said, think about the playground that you're called to be on today as an adult. What's your playground? Maybe it's your place of work. Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's here at church. Maybe it's wherever you spend a majority of your time. And imagine God is the one watching now. And he sent all sorts of people to the playground. And some of those people are a little bit different than you, and others make you really uncomfortable. And there's others that are those people that you purposefully try to avoid when you see them in the store or on the streets. He said, now imagine God watching and saying, please connect with him. Please reach out to her. Will you connect with my beloved child? And can you imagine the pain that God must feel when we walk right past his beloved children? You see, every person needs community. Every person needs to belong And every person needs Jesus. And I believe small groups are the best way for us to fulfill those needs in ourselves and in others. So I'm excited for next week. We're kicking off a new series called Losing My Religion. And it's a series on the book of Galatians. And if you're a little confused by the title... You're going to have to come back next week and find out what it means. But we're going to go through the book of Galatians verse by verse for seven weeks. There is power when God's people are in God's word together. And then we're going to have groups meeting all throughout the week discussing what we talk about on Thursday night or Sunday morning. And our hope and our prayer is that you would get out of a row and you'd get into a circle. That you would join a small group for seven weeks. You're not signing up for life. Just give it a shot. There's also going to be a Bible study at both 9 o'clock and 10.30 up on the second floor. If you want to dig even deeper into the book of Galatians, please go attend the Bible study. So as I close, what's your next step 
What's the next step that God's calling you to today? Maybe it's eliminating all of the excuses and signing up to try out a small group. There's a card in your bulletin that you can fill out and you can bring it to the table out in the atrium and they'll get you hooked up. Or if you're thinking, well, I've already got a lot of friends. I feel like I've got a ton of community. Consider that maybe others need you. Maybe this isn't just for you, it's for others. And they need your participation. Or maybe you have a friend, acquaintance, family member that you could invite to come with you. Groups are one of the best ways to help people connect into the church. You know, because people don't even really have to walk into the church. They could go to somebody's house, comfortable chair, lots of snacks, right? Don't miss this opportunity. I mean, we're in a new year. Maybe you've made some resolutions. The best way for you to grow spiritually this new year is to get out of a row and get into a circle. So stop making excuses. Sign up today. It's the deadline today. And we're excited to see what God is going to do in and through this next series. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks that you are a God of relationships and a God of community.